Your Steve Jones Show podcast will start shortly. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Brewers Outlet, your beverage supermarket on Reagan Street in Sunbury. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, welcome back. Great to have you with us on this Friday. Brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports, domestics, microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day in the pickle bar, led by the barrels and the dills, indeed second to none. All at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Six great flavors of slushies and stock up. Start stocking up now for the holidays. And don't forget about Brewers Outlet gift cards for the holidays. It's all at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. We are in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, great new inventory and great deals to be had. Fabulous pre-owned inventory. Tremendous service department. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Time now for our play-by-play call of the day, and Matt, I did this for you. You're about to hear the voices of Doug Peterson and Jim Cramer from CNBC as we take you back. Matt, just for you, Philly special. Well, that's a no-brainer. He ain't going to go for it. Of course, I think everybody except the Philadelphia Eagles thought we were going to kick the field goal. Like Coach Peterson finally wised up. Nick came over to the sideline, and he whispered to me, You want Philly food? And uh, I looked up at him, and a lot of things, like my career flashed before my eyes. The Super Bowl game flashed before my eyes. Like, okay, yeah, this is great. Let's do this. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Here we go. Hold on, hold on. As it was unfolding, there were people who were leaving. They were, like, leaving, you know, going to get something to eat. I hate those people. Right? You hate the people who get something to eat. What is the problem? Philly special. Ready? Philly special. It was the right moment, right time, perfect situation. This could decide the game. We just saw Matt's favorite football moment ever, Philly Special. That's what we just heard, Philly Special. I did that just for you, Matt, because you're talking about Vikings and Bears yesterday, and you can't, you just can't let Nick, Nick Foles go. I don't blame you. In Eagles lore, he lives forever, courtesy of that Super Bowl and Philly Special. All right, Penn State tomorrow takes on Nebraska in Lincoln. Tomorrow will be a noon kickoff. We're on here in Lincoln beginning at 10.30 Eastern Time, 9.30 local. And with that, we bring in Frank Bodani from the York Daily Record. Frank, always a pleasure. It's been a couple days in a row that we talk. Great to have you with us. 
Steve, thanks for having me on. Hey, but quickly, did you just say the 1967 Detroit Lions? Did you mention that? Yes, we did. Do you know who quarterback who started six times for them that year? Six times that year. I thought Bill Munson was the primary guy. Milt Plum, Steve. Milt Plum, yes, who was, uh, Joe Paterno will tell you, he's one of the best quarterbacks he ever coached here. And it really had good safety here, too. Had to throw that in there, so thanks for having me on. <laughs> Milt Plum, yes. Yep. Milt Plum actually, had, between the Browns and the Lions, had a really good NFL career after Penn State. Really he good. He did. He did, so... so. I, I got the pleasure of speaking with him a few years ago for a story I did on the 54 team. And, uh, so, yes, underrated quarterback. But we're talking about the 2020 Nittany Lions, I know. And now we're talking about uh, now we know the resolution for, for Journey Brown. What was it like for you just hearing that from James Franklin Wednesday night? I, I think it's the same for everybody. You kind of It doesn't surprise you, but the finality of it, is, is, is tough to handle because I can't say there's the only, you know, Aaron Harris was a guy, if you go back, that had so much talent, you're so looking forward to seeing him play to his potential. Never got to see that, but at least he got to continue his career of journey. Right. So many great things, so looking forward to watching him play and develop and grow because I don't think we saw the best of him. And um, it's hard to put yourself in that shoes, especially at that age, when you have so much attention and so many possibilities. Uh, and you know what? I- I'm thinking that's probably some of the stuff that the, the team was talking about distraction-wise last weekend. Right, exactly, because that's about, probably about the time they found that they found out what the second yeah. opinion stated. I mean, I'm guessing, but that's, that's uh, the timeline would match up. When you watch a guy like Journey Brown, when he played, where did he get better that made you think the best was yet to come? That's a very good question. I, I think as the season went, you did see him use more of his speed. Combined, you know, you're always looking for that speed because he came in with such a track history about him, track and field. But the physicality, the confidence that he ran with, it just seemed the confidence, I guess. Even in that Minnesota game, which was his first right. kind of showcase, he just looked like he knew what he was doing before he was going to do it. Like he knew where he was running. No questions, no hesitation. You know, and I don't think you saw that maybe at the beginning of the year. He just looked like the, almost like the light went on. It was his, it was his game, and he wasn't thinking. He was just doing it, and I just thought as you went on, and then in the Cotton Bowl, talk about confidence and belief in yourself, the way he ran through tacklers. It was his game. You know, it was his time. That's like what we're, you know, that's what we're looking forward to seeing. And his position coach, you know, last, even this spring said, Journey's finally learning how to incorporate that, those track abilities into football. We're so excited to see him do that this year. So. I'll, I'll take the positive out of it, uh, which everybody knows I have the ability to take positives out of things. They caught it. I mean, to me, that's the positive. As, 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 as hurtful as it is for him personally, for the team, for people who know him, that he, he can't continue with his career, at least they caught it. Well, and that's the thing with um, 
sports and protocols medical now that you didn't have maybe 20 years ago. Um, you know, they caught Nana Sedu's situation. Yep. They, you know, 30 years ago, I was in Philadelphia the, the day that Hank Gathers died. So was I. Yeah, they I was at the Atlantic 10 tournament. I was exactly. at the Atlantic 10 yep. tournament that night. Yes, that's where I was. And seeing John Chaney talk about it afterwards, I mean, that was something that they did not catch in athletes years ago. And that you're hoping they, they are doing a much better job now because you're right. That is the positive. He gets to live his life. And from all accounts, he's a great young man. He's going to have a lot of impact in this world. Yeah, you and I, you and I were both in the pluster that night when we found out. We found out he collapsed, and we found out then, then before the game was over with that he had passed. I mean, it was. I mean, that city yes. was that city was devastated by that. Yes, absolutely. All right, so now we've got this. I mean, now, James Franklin met with his team face to face in a team meeting on Tuesday night, which they had not done. For months and months and months. It sounded like it was therapeutic to actually do something with, you know, it was socially distant. It was not in the auditorium. It was in Haluba Hall. But it sounded like it was therapeutic for everybody, Frank. And I think that's probably more what this team needs than anything. You get hints of it through the coaches talking and Coach Sider today saying, we just got to have fun again. We still not coach. We still have talented players. All these guys, Steve, or most of these guys were on that team last year. They were. They know what success is like. These aren't. It's not a completely new cast here. I think the therapeutic part of things is maybe the boost this te- this this team needs. I don't know how much being able to meet with everybody's going to do for them immediately, but I think that's the biggest directional change here. Yeah, yeah. The sense there was—I mean, it's a, there's a sense of normalcy. Uh, in fact, that you've got four assistant coaches that have never sat in, four assistant coaches that have never sat in on a Penn State team meeting before. Yeah, and I think there's—I think you have the things on the field that every all the fans are pointing at. Why isn't this better and that better? And then you have the things outside of the the field with this strange season that you don't have control over. And for at least Penn State, those things on the outside, however you want to say it, they're they're making a big difference for this team. And I think any way you can somehow find a way to ease that, then you may get to see who the real team is, so to speak. Hopefully for them, you get enough of that boost Saturday because you're going against a team that, you know, is kind of in a desperate mode themselves. Yeah, they are at the. You know, first of all, they're in the third year for Scott Frost. Obviously, when he got there, they expected him to work miracles, uh, and I think what they have found out is the process back is longer. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Did you get a chance though to watch Luke McCaffrey at quarterback at all, Frank, uh, against Northwestern? See any of it? No, I did not. I've heard a good bit about it, and it'll be interesting. Be the the quarterback platoon or how they handle that Saturday because he seems like a dynamic kid, correct? Yeah, he he does to me. I I thought it was interesting, Frank, that they put him in, Frost put him in at what was winning time. It was the fourth quarter and they're down 21-13, so they need a touchdown and a two-point conversion. 
to get it done, and they, he put him in. And I thought, to me, that that doesn't mean necessarily starting on Saturday, but that told me a lot about what Scott Frost was thinking. I don't know about you. Well, sure, and I think he, he sees the struggle that, in in their own ways, you know, they have some similarities probably, but in their own struggle, what do you my team out of this what kind of spark what do we how do we go from here and so it's not surprising to me that if you think Luke can do it you know he's a kid to do it you don't waste any time I mean you saw Penn State go to you know Zach Mills pretty quick and nobody knew the heck he was in 2001 yep remember and that you saw the spark the way that kid play as he learned on the go, I mean, it sparked the whole team. So maybe this is something that Scott Frost sees it can spark them because they're in a tougher position even than Penn State because three years, right? They haven't had a winning season. How much more? How much time do you get? Right. You know, how much time do you get there? What do you think can spark Penn State? Uh, I think everything starts at the offensive line. Fairly or not, it just it seems like a position group to me that affects the whole team. Doesn't get the credit for that often. You don't get to know those guys. It's you don't find yourself watching them per se when you're watching a play as a fan or even a reporter a lot of times. But the impact that they have, you know, protecting your quarterback, um, opening holes for your running back, keeping your offense on the field, keeping your defense off the field. <laughs> I mean, they often control the game, and this, I guess, for me, this Penn State finally has a good bit of experience and supposed talent and depth there, and I think that's the spark. If you could get that feel-good drive going early yeah. like they did at Indiana and get guys' confidence going in the right direction and get them to feel good, that's the spark to me. Now let's flip it to the other side. What kind of spark does the defense need? Getting to the quarterback, to me. Um, causing some havoc. Making some big plays. You know, we, we hear a lot about um, the talent on this defense. They need to see more more big plays. You know, you saw one. Again, I go back to Indiana, like the third time I've mentioned this game already. But <laughs> yeah, I know. Joey Porter comes off the edge. Big play in the beginning of that game. That's what we haven't seen enough of, whether it's, you know, nothing against Jason Owe. I think the kid's probably playing his heart out. Yeah. But at the same time, you need those defensive ends. Somebody got to get to the quarterback just for not even for the play at hand, but for the, the, the signal it sends that feel good like that. I mean, that's what they need to be able to do and not wait till the fourth quarter. Nobody remembers Penn State sacking anybody when you're down by three touchdowns right. in the third quarter. Which then I'll flip it to the other side. I'll add in to a, not multiple sacks, not just a sack, but multiple sacks. And that kind of pressure can then lead to, oh, a takeaway. They haven't had one in nine quarters. And I think that the combination of sacks or pressure with with takeaway or takeaways, I think becomes a huge spark if they can if they can do that. Well, yeah, and I think people look sometimes at the situation, it looks so lost, right? But it's really not that lost because one thing, like you said, snowballs very quickly into the other. You get the offensive line going, all these other things on offense, Sean Clifford's job suddenly becomes easier. Yep. So you get the 
pressure on the quarterback, he he rushes, he makes mistakes. Then all of a sudden, it makes it easier for your D backs, and they come up with a a play, you know, a turnover. I mean, one thing leads to another. They're just, they're, you know, they somebody has to. I guess it comes at the front of the lines a lot of times to me. Is somebody's got to start being able to somehow make that kind of play and get that spark going. And it has to be early. That's the thing. I mean, Penn State yes. has really struggled in the first half beyond recognition in all three games. Frank, it is always a pleasure, my friend. It's great to yeah. have you on. Thank you for your time and your insight. All the best on the trip, and then I uh, hope you have a great weekend coming up, Steve. I hope you have a great weekend, too. Thanks, Thanks. Frank. Take care. Frank Bodani, York Daily Record, one of the best in the business. Always enjoy having him on for his insight, great personality. It's great to have Frank on the show, and we appreciate that very, very much. Still to come on the show today, the Penn State men's ice hockey season will get underway in six days in Minneapolis. We'll take on Minnesota next Thursday, and then Friday, and then, because they're on term break, fall break, and nobody's returning to campus anyway, but they're on fall break. They can stay out there, and they can go to Madison and then play Wisconsin. I think it's on a Tuesday, Wednesday. Their home opener will not be until December 2nd when they get Michigan in here. December 2nd, and I think the 3rd, and then they'll have Arizona State in here after that. But uh, we'll talk to Guy Godowski about that in the final half hour of the show. Great to have you with us uh, on this show today. Masters, of course, continuing, as uh, Jerry Dulac and I talked about yesterday. It's just so odd that you're looking there, and there's, there's there's no patrons there. There are no roars. There's no depth perception. You feel like you're watching, uh, you feel like you're watching uh, the member guest at times over at Center Hills. Uh, it's it's just completely completely different uh, watching this. Course is a little different too because, which is what we expected. I expected the course to be different uh, because they because of what they had to do with the greens, what what can grow at this time of the year. That's all part of it as to why you're seeing the way you're seeing it the way you're seeing it play out. The players though have adjusted beautifully. It, what it's amazing, I know they what they do is they play golf, but they are used to picking out marks. For example, okay, there's the TV tower, which is still there. All right, hey, you want to hit it? Okay, see where the patrons are on the right. You want to hit it over there because there's some holes where they, they can only be on one side or the other. I, you know, you don't have some of those markers out there. And that's the way it is with most of these tournaments right now. They don't have those markers out there that you can sit and, and, and go to. And, of course, they continue to play brilliant golf. A point I brought up yesterday about Bryson DeChambeau is Bryson DeChambeau, who's been the talk of the tournament, and he's out there right now as he had won the late tee times along with Tiger Woods today, Bryson DeChambeau, of course, hits the ball a country mile because he worked out in such a way where he wanted to overpower golf courses. All right. Can it have an effect on other players? It absolutely can. What was interesting is they asked Dustin Johnson yesterday about chasing distance because of what Bryson DeChambeau does. And Johnson said, no, my game's just fine the way it is. 
That's the answer you need to have. That's the answer Jordan Spieth needed a couple of years ago. He started chasing distance, I think, a little bit. And in chasing distance, he got himself off kilter with his game. And as Jerry said yesterday, he is a marvelous young man. Everybody loves him on the tour, loves playing with him, fans love him the whole group. All right. Men's Ice Hockey next half hour with Guy Godowski. Today's show brought to you by our good friends at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Great to have you with us on this Friday from Lincoln here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Party time, game time, or just fun time. Doesn't matter what time it is, because it's Brewers Outlet time. The Beverage Supermarket has the area's largest beer selection, imports, microbrews, ciders, and domestics. Pick from over 100 ice-cold 12-packs and dozens of 24-ounce singles. Soda, snacks, hot sauces, fresh roasted peanuts. Make it one-stop party shopping, and don't forget the pickle bar. So whatever you're celebrating or just doing it up, Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, Sunbury, wants to see you. And thank you for your years of patronage. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Welcome back. Great to have you with us. Final half hour for the week. Great to have you with us today. Thanks to Frank Bodani who joined us in the previous half hour and also Greg Nye who joined us at 3.30. James Franklin who opened the show for us. Check it out on the Steve Jones Show podcast. Hear the comments from the head football coach in the opening half hour. We talked about Journey Brown, a lot about Journey Brown, then about the game tomorrow with Nebraska. All right. Uh, today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. There are so many times I think about stocking up at Brewers Outlet. So many times. You know, and it's you know, Memorial Day weekend, 4th of July, Labor Day, any time, obviously. Uh, get-togethers, wherever they may be. Maybe it's limited this year for obvious reasons, but Thanksgiving's coming up. It's time to stock up now. And then it's going to be Hanukkah, Christmas, whatever you celebrate, coming up. New Year's coming up. Maybe just want to kick back and enjoy. And... You want to be able to enjoy with the best. Imports, domestics, microbrews. Best selection of beer anywhere. They have wine coolers, water, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and out every day in the pickle bar, led by the barrels and the dills. Indeed, second to none. All at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. And don't forget about not one, two, three, four, or five. Six great flavors of slushies. And also Brewers Outlet gift cards for the holidays. Now that shows you care. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. You know, you look at the great product lines, Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Great new inventory and great deals to be had. And maybe the budget says pre-owned inventory. Hey, guess what? You're going to get a great selection with that. They've gone over with a fine-tooth comb. And the service department is great. Sales staff, terrific. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. 
Well, of course, uh, a lot of big news. The Ivy League has canceled its winter sports season. They were the first ones to opt out of the tournament season back in March for the men's and women's basketball tournaments. They were the first ones to cancel. Some people at the time would, (laughs) really? You're going to do that? That's an overreaction. Well, it wasn't an overreaction. They were right. They were also the first one to postpone the fall sports season. Now they are the first ones to bag the winter sports season, and there will be no makeup. Uh, They are not going to be playing men's or women's basketball or any other winter sport this year, nor will they be making up their football season or any of their fall sports. There have been thoughts about playing fall, uh, excuse me, spring football. No, that's not going to happen. The earliest the Ivy League is going to pick up any action is going to be no later than the last week, excuse me, no earlier than the last week of February. And it's only going to be spring sports. So there'll be no football season, no basketball season in the Ivy League. On the football front, as uh, James Franklin uh, pointed out earlier, that Georgia Tech and Pitt, they had issues on both sides. Both sides. They have postponed their game to December 12th. The ACC has buys built in. They are built in for this reason. And Pitt and Georgia Tech now postponed and rescheduled for Saturday, December 12th. In the Big Ten, there have been three games canceled so far. Wisconsin-Nebraska, Wisconsin-Purdue, and now Ohio State and Maryland. Penn State will play tomorrow. They will take on Nebraska Memorial Stadium just across the highway in Lincoln from where we are right now. And the team is not staying here in Lincoln. Uh, Jack, Bob Taylor, and I are staying here in Lincoln. But the team is staying in Omaha. And it's just a 45-minute drive down to get here tomorrow morning. But that's where they're staying, and we appreciate the time James Franklin gave us on the show. So that's the setup for tomorrow. Freddie Freeman, National League Most Valuable Player, overcame COVID, 104.5 degree temperature. He thought he was going, that this was it. Recovered. After opting out, he opted back in. He's the MVP. And Jose Abreu is the MVP in the American League from the White Sox after a 67 RBI season in 60 games. Remarkable. So there's your MVPs. All right, let's talk media now. Al Michaels turned 76 this week, so why not talk about media with Andrew Marchand from the New York Post? Andrew, welcome back. It is so great to hear you again. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good to hear you guys. Good to be on the show again. Well, let's try. Okay, so let's get to Sunday night, Monday night. Uh, the NFL did a great job of settling the labor part of it for 10 years to then set up the next part, which is the TV part. So what does Disney slash ESPN want to do to attempt to wrest the package of Sunday night football away from NBC? Well, first off, they're willing to put it on ABC or, or like to put it on ABC. Uh so right now, ESPN, Disney, they pay about $2 billion per year for Monday Night Football, which the games aren't as good as uh, what NBC has on Sunday night, uh, which is the number one primetime package and, and also number one rated show on, on network TV. Um, so uh, ESPN's point of view is that they are paying the most, and so they should get the best games. It's a pretty good argument for Disney. So they 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 would like to take that Sunday night package from NBC, 
uh, if they're gonna, if they're still going to spend the most. Uh, you know, one of the other reasons that they do spend the most is that they have to pay for all the highlights you see every day on ESPN. Uh, you know, that's part of the package. And, you know, you can value that about $400, $500 million. That's still half right. a billion more that they're paying, and they have no Super Bowl. So I could see uh, Disney's uh, reasoning behind it. Will the NFL um, you know, go with it? That remains to be seen, but it, it definitely there's a fight going on there. How does the NFL feel about uh, NBC's presentation of Sunday night? Well, that's where NBC does have an advantage. They have the best presentation, you could argue, of any of the networks. Um, and you know, with the one game, uh, they have Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth. Uh, you know, it's a very strong team. Everyone has their opinions. You know, obviously Tony Romo has become uh, considered the top, you know, NFL analyst for games. Uh, but still, uh, again, like I said, everyone can have their opinion, but that's a really strong broadcast booth. Uh, their producer, Fred Gidelli, has been doing it a long time, uh, and so uh, he's very well respected. That said, I don't know if that will win the day. It will be a factor, you know, tie goes to the runner kind of thing. If it's uh, if they're both willing to spend the same amount of money, then I think they would stick with NBC because it's a better presentation and the continuity of it. But if ESPN... Disney slash ABC is willing to pay much more than uh, I, I don't think the fact that they NBC is the best production will, will is going to be worth you know hundreds of millions of dollars to make up the difference. And now let's uh, deal with a fallacy: broadcast booths don't make a difference in this situation, really, do they? No, they don't really. Um, yeah, I, mean, I I've talked to people, high level people who are involved in this, and they, they that's not a huge factor. Now that said. You know, there's a big sweepstakes we just had, you know, right before the pandemic started uh, last March. So when I think it was April that the contract went down with Tony Romo, who got $17.5 million a year. The total value is $180 million when you consider all the perks and extras he has over 10 years. So why did he get $17.5 million? Well, because ESPN wanted him for Monday Night Football. Well, why did they want him? Well, they did want to go into the negotiation saying, we're willing to spend the most. We just got the top analyst. And to that, you know, their calculations, uh, and, and CBS also went with this at the end of the day. If I'm spending $2 billion, or in CBS's case, a little more than $1 billion a year, what's another $18 million to have the best uh, analyst? And so to impress the, the NFL. But you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, if you put that $18 million into your bid, uh, you might be better off than just uh, um, spending the money on the broadcaster. So... It's a factor in some regards in terms of perception, but but I think at the end of the day, it comes down to money. <laughs> That's what usually what it comes down to, as you and I both know. It it comes down to that. What's your initial read on Thursday night, which has popped around from CBS to NBC to Fox? What are some of the possibilities for Thursday night? Here's a theory. I haven't written this. We did so exclusive. Uh, for Steve Jones' show, uh, there I think you go, there's Andrew. a good chance that, um, or I shouldn't say good chance, a chance that the Thursday package is linked with the Sunday package. So ESPN slash ABC wants two packages. It kind of makes some sense to say, well, you know, take the best. You get the best package now, but you also got to take Thursday because Thursday has sort of been difficult for any of the networks to really make work. Uh, it's been around now. Uh, it's been on CBS. It's been on NBC. Now it's on Fox. Uh, and, you know, and of course, it's also on NFL Network. And just the games aren't as good and the appetite for it isn't as great. Uh, but the NFL still likes that extra money. So I don't think Thursday night it's going to be there. Uh, but 
um, you know, I, you know, well, networks all be maybe have some interest in it, but maybe not the price that Fox is paying, which is inordinate uh, right now. Um, so, but could I see them saying to, to someone like ESPN slash ABC, you know what? Yeah, we'll give you Sunday night, but I think Thursday as well. Um, and then could you put? Could, could you see ESPN having Thursday night football? I kind of. Feels kind of right when you think about it. And ABC taking you know Sunday or even Monday for that matter um, if they get a better schedule on Monday. So um, I, that's where I think maybe Disney's second package comes from. It could be that Thursday. And, but then the other well, here's another one though is that you know maybe ESPN says no, we like Monday Night Football. We want to keep it on ESPN, and we also want Sunday Night. So that you know NBC could be uh, left going for Thursday. But the key there is that you know I think NBC might be in a position where they pay it a little bit more. Maybe it's a four-network rotation for the Super Bowl. Because that's where the money, you know, not all is, but there's a lot of money in that Super Bowl, of course. And so, uh, um, but but that package is really the worst of all of them. And then the wild card in all this is Amazon and Apple. Right. You know, could they, you know, they have deep pockets and could they be factors? I don't think so. I can't rule them entirely out, but I don't think, you know, I think they'll be involved in the digital aspect of it. You know, the games on Fox or, you know, or ESPN and then, you have it on Amazon Prime, you know, digitally. Uh, I think that's possible, but uh, I don't know if they're going to get unless they just really dig down deep and say we want this. And obviously, they have so much money, uh, and then, then maybe they get a standalone package. But nothing. I don't think a real marquee Thursday is probably the best if I even doubt that one. So let's take this a step further in all this. Let's just say, for the sake of argument, ESPN ABC does get a Thursday night package. Where does this leave NFL Network? Because now you'd have that package already on cable on ESPN. Yeah, that's a pretty good point. So maybe my theory that I gave you, I actually was like such a good theory, you just put a pin in it. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, I, don't think, host. I don't know. I have to look at the cable deals. Look, I think for uh, the NFL Network deals, they have to have a certain amount of games uh, on to keep their rate where it is. Uh, so that's why they do. It is like maybe four to six, maybe standalone games, and then the rest are simulcast to Fox. Uh, so they just get over that, you know, um, Mendoza line that they have for that. Um, so um, I would say that, uh, yeah, an NFL network is a factor, but as they go forward, I'm not sure as how big a factor is because we know that okay. cable, that business is changing. So that is big. Got a bigger play for the NFL now. They like that um, uh, the fees that they get, like everyone else at ESPN does. But long term, it would be better off just uh, you know having NFL Network, and maybe that's not where the future home of the game uh, might be. Which maybe at uh, you know at first blush when they first started NFL Network, you kind of looked at it just to replace ESPN. Now where the world is gone, it's uh, cord cutting. You know, it doesn't look as, as as great a play as it did when it first came out right. on network. Andrew, Major League Baseball for a moment. Uh, TBS Turner already has its deal set with Major League Baseball. Where does ESPN now stand with MLB? Yeah, they're still negotiating, and from what I'm told, that Monday, Wednesday national game uh, window, I think that could go away. Pretty good chance of that. Uh, ESPN could keep Sunday Night Baseball, and then if the extended playoffs that we just saw, if they can agree to that, maybe they say, and the Players Association, so those continue, uh, I could see ESPN 
I mean, from ABC, uh, having that most of the first round, if not all of it. Uh, so uh, I think that's where they, you know, where ESPN's going. You know, it used to be ESPN bought everything. It was basically, you know, wholesale. Uh, and they had marquee events. And then, you know, obviously moved into more of the marquee events. Yeah. But now that that wholesale business is kind of going to ESPN Plus, where, you know, they're trying to get as many games and every kind of function that you could have uh, on that platform. Uh, and so ESPN is becoming more of they want destination events. So uh, they think like the Home Run Derby is one uh, in baseball. Sunday night a little bit, not as much, but a little bit. And then the playoffs. I do think they were disappointed not to be able to bid on the league championship series. Uh, baseball just let Turner um, have a deal in their exclusive window. Now they did raise the price 65%, and maybe in this climate, I think the MLB just said, you know what, let's just uh, take a bite of the apple, you know, because we don't know where things are going. Uh, but I do think ESPN would have wanted to be in that LCS uh, talks. I don't know about the DSs, because the division series, right. kind of, if you look at where they have a schedule to get, uh, they interfere with college football. And plus, Turner, I believe, in their new deal, instead of being on Sunday during the regular season, they get a Tuesday night out of it. So yeah. it would be at yeah. least a game. Turner in the next year, the year after. Yeah. Uh, a fascinating local New York story, but it's a name that people nationally know. Craig Carton is back on WFAN, and he, had, you know, I think some, I think some people know a story. But I'll just do a, and if I miss something, I'll just do a quick uh, sure. bullet point of here. He went to prison. Uh, what wire and securities fraud, I believe, because he owed like four point eight million dollars because of gambling debts, and you know, he yeah. did various ways to do this. Well, it ends up he goes in prison. He gets a second chance out of this. You've had a chance to talk to him. A, did you sense that you were talking to a different guy than you'd either heard or talked to before? And what does he take from his second chance at such a high-profile job? So to answer your question, do I think he's a little bit different? I do. Um, will he be different on the air? He's been on the air now. He went on for an hour to kind of talk to the audience after he spoke with me and I did my story. Um, he didn't sound that much different. So I think, you know, he's, uh, <laughs> you know, just for people who maybe don't know, so for 10 years, after Don Imus, you know, legendary figure got in trouble for saying racist things about the Rutgers basketball team and got fired, uh, Craig Carton came in and with Boomer Sison, the former All-Pro quarterback with the Bengals, uh, they had a successful number one rated in the morning uh, talk show on WFAN, the biggest sports station in New York. And, um, and then Carton got in trouble gambling debt. He's an admitted gambling addict and went to prison for what was a three and a half year term. Uh, the short way to put it, he got out early for good behavior uh, after serving in Lewisburg um, and minimum security. And he. Uh, um, now he's getting a second chance. And, um, yeah, it's an interesting story. I mean, we in New York, the radio business is sort of like another team uh, to cover uh, between ESPN, which is led by Michael Kay, who's the Yankee announcer, in the afternoon. Yep. And then now, you know, for years and years, it was Mike and the Mad Dog. And then it was just Mike Francesa. Uh, and now it's Craig Carton. And it's like Evan Roberts. has been around a long time. He's a young guy, but you know, he's 37, but he's a uh, been around for a good 15 years now. Uh, and so, um, yeah, he's, it's going to be interesting. Uh, if he changed, I'm not sure about that how much. I think he's been a little bit remorseful. I mean, he, he takes responsibility. He says 
pretty much the right thing. Uh, but in terms of how it'll be on the air, I think it'll be uh, I think it'll be similar. I mean, I think he has to change a little bit. When I jumped down the empathy, I mean, he did say he would be more empathetic, but it wasn't like. Um, I don't know. I, I, we'll see how, where, where it comes. I mean, he, he was pretty uh, outspoken. You know, he said that the people who complain about him getting the second chance or in the radio business, that they have three years to take his spot and they just need to get better, basically. That's what his, his comment was yeah. to that. But he's a pretty, you know, he's, he's obnoxious. He's, he's entertaining. He's funny, uh, but very obnoxious. Uh, so uh, yeah. it should be fun. Yeah, because he was in Lewisburg, as you mentioned, which is, what, 10 miles from the station? All right, it's 10 miles away from the stations where it was. They probably, in the background, probably had this show on. He said, man, i got to get back. All right. Uh, <laughs> Andrew, it's always... Yeah, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> if, I can't, if I can't make fun of myself, I can't make fun of anybody. Yeah. Hey, Andrew, it's always a pleasure. Thanks so much. You're brilliant at your work, and it's always great to talk to. All right, thanks, Steve. I appreciate it. Be well. Be safe. You too, my friend. Andrew Marshawn, New York Post. Always great to hear from him. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the Beverage Supermarket. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio. We'll talk to you tomorrow from Lincoln at 1030 here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years.